Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Saturdays with Jenny. So let's go on to the other author. And she also was born in Ethiopia. So how about that? Her name is Marza Mangista. And she is author of The Shadow King. And The Shadow King is a story that was set in uh, after the Italian invasion of Ethiopia during World War Two or shortly before World War Two, And the effect it had on the women of the Ethiopian population. People are raving about this book, by the way. And uh, we went along to, um, to the New York Society Library and they did an interview with Marza Mengista and she just took over completely and this is what she said. I was in the library and there were a, a, a small library in this very small town and I had talked about the book and it was time for question and answer and a man stood up and even when he stood up I could tell he was emotional and in my head I said oh here we go and he said I want to talk about 1935 and the entire room and they were all Italians immediately tensed I could feel the room get stiff And there were some people that turned and and were just not happy with him, wanted him to sit down. He didn't he didn't listen to them. And he started shaking and he started crying. And he said, my father was one of the pilots that dropped the poison gas on your people. How do I apologize to you for what my country has done, for what my father has done? At this point, he was really crying. He said, how do we apologize to Ethiopia? You know, the room was shocked, silent. And I said, you know, we need to have these conversations. This is a start. Thank you. He said, please don't leave. Please don't leave. I will be right back. So I stayed until he came back. And when he came back, he had copies of his father's letters, pages from his journals. While he was a pilot in Ethiopia, he had copies of photographs. And he said, take it and do with it whatever you want. I took it back with me to my apartment in Rome and started going through this work. And... His father was honest about what he did, about the bombs and the jokes they made as they were dropping them and the photographs. And I realized, oh my gosh, this is what I've been looking for. These are the personal histories that were not censored by the fascist censors. These were letters or journals that these men carried back with them that weren't checked. They took photographs, and those photographs, if they kept them in a roll and didn't develop them, they they could develop them later. This was an uncensored history, and that was really when this book began. And I decided I was going to travel across Italy by train, by bus, by foot, whatever I needed to do. And I started going to flea markets. And I would go into these small towns or I would go into these larger towns and there was always a fascist table. (laughs) And I would go right there and I would start talking to the vendors if they allowed me to talk to them. Sometimes they were so visibly upset because I'm Ethiopian and they recognized me that they would 
push me or just try to get me away from the table. In those instances, I would bring an Italian friend. <laughs> and then I would tell the friend, go get this and this and this, please, for me. So I, I usually went with someone. But I would go to these places, and I got to know some of the vendors really well. Um, I started buying photographs that I found. And at some point, I had a vendor, uh, uh, and um, yeah, he took most of my money. And he would tell me, come back in a week, come back in two weeks. I'm going to have something soon, I think. And I started asking him, how do you have this? What's happening here with these photographs and these albums? And he said, these men are dying. And their families don't want this reminder of the war. And so they give them to me. And then I've, I sell them. And, you know, here I come. This is really where, the, um, where my story began. So this is one of the photographs that gave me a sense of these men took their cameras to work. They were photographing each other, but they were also photographing Ethiopians, um, their lives in those years that they were there. What I understood about the camera at that point in Mussolini's time is that Mussolini was well aware that, the, that photography could be another weapon in war, that it was a weapon for him. So before the war started, there were already people in Ethiopia, in Eritrea, in Somalia taking photographs, trying to depict people who were so primitive and uncivilized that actually the Italians were being kind in wanting to civilize them and come into their country. The camera was a weapon, and Mussolini was well aware that he needed to galvanize public support, um, and the photograph was one of the ways that he did it. Um, and here these officers in, in Ethiopia, I believe this is somewhere, I, I have some information on some of them. I think this is Harar, right around there. One of my characters is a photographer, an Italian photographer by the name of Ettore. And it was in seeing this image in particular, I began to understand that when these men were photographing Ethiopians or East Africans, they were, the image, number one, was very controlled. There was a way that they wanted to depict themselves and there's a way that they wanted to depict the Ethiopians or the East Africans. But the, sh the fact that there's a shadow was for me a clue that someone's controlling this image. This is not a natural pose for this man here, the, the Ethiopian. Um, he's probably scared. I don't know what happened before or after this image, but this is supposed to represent not the East African, not this man. This, has, this man has not much to do with it. This is a way that this man might want to remember himself once he goes home. The violence is out until you see the photographer there and you realize maybe this man didn't, the Ethiopian did not want to take this photograph. What happened to him after? Was he a prisoner? What was going on here? And as I kept looking at this picture and staring at it, I started understanding all of these images were crafted to re-remember history in a certain way, to retell or reshape memories. When I think about the title of my book, The Shadow King, there are many reasons I chose that title, but one of the reasons I did was the Shadow King is a photographer who works with shadows, who works with light, who, who dominates this space that's also dark.
This is another one. This is Shano Mercato. I'm doing more research on these images. This is 1936. And again, when I look at this, it's not a simple picture. The thing that my eye keeps gravitating towards here is the way that this woman's face is revealed because there's someone pulling her hat back. And I assume that I'm thinking she wanted it down. She didn't want this picture. But this man has lifted that hat up a little bit, and the Italians are laughing, but no one else is. And she looks distraught. I came across this image, and I knew that I had a character named Hirut in my book. And the minute I saw this, I said, oh, I found her. I have found her. So she's in the back of the book. Um, But as I was doing this research, And I was looking through these letters and and albums um, and journals. I started finding one or two lines here and there of a woman with a gun, a woman with a rifle. Um, And then I found a photograph of a woman in a long dress with a a rifle. And once I did that, I said, wait a minute. What is, what's happening here? What, I knew that women followed men behind the men in war in Ethiopia to collect the dead, take care of the wounded, bring the food, get the water, do all these things. But I'm seeing women in a bit of a different role. And then I found a headline in the New York Times, and it, I, it was, I think, November, something like November 4th, 1935, of, of a man in, uh, in the Ethiopian army who is killed in battle, and his wife runs and gets his rifle and leads 2,000 of his men to victory. And then I find another um, headline from September 1935 when Haile Selassie has a mobilization call and a, a legion of women enlist in the army. And I said, oh, this is a story that I really want to tell about these women who fought and were often, I never heard about them. So I started writing this book from the perspective of these women, from the perspective of a young girl named Hirut, who follows her household. She's a maid for a nobleman who is an officer in an army and his wife. She's their maid. And when Kidane says, we need to go, we need to move, we're mobilizing, the war is starting, Hirut and Aster gather the women from the neighborhood, from the area, and follow the men. But at some point, Aster starts thinking, why can't I fight like a man? If Empress Taitu did it the first time with the, in the confrontation with Italy 40 years before, there, we had an empress who led men, who led in the army. Why can't I do it? Um, Kidane and his wife, they don't get along. And if you don't get along before a war, you're not going to get along during a war. They don't get along. And he says, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Leave this alone. You will listen to what, I'm, what I say, and you'll, you'll help my men. But she has other ideas. And Hirut eventually joins her to become a soldier in the army with Kidane. The book opens in 1974, 40 years after the war. Hirut now is uh, an older woman thinking back to her days as a soldier 
in 1935. So I'll read a very small section and then I will show you a few more pictures and then we'll open it up for some questions and I can keep talking. After I had found this, after I had been writing this story for a number of years, after I had been going to Ethiopia to do more research, I was talking to my mother about this photograph and about some of the other photographs and headlines that I had been finding about the women. And in the midst of this conversation, my mother stopped me and she said, well, don't you know about your great-grandmother? And I, you know, the f first time she said it, I think my brain just couldn't, ex I couldn't hear her. I said, what did you say? And she said, well, your great-grandmother, Tete, she, she was in the war. And I said, wait a minute, wait, okay. What, ha what, and I, I said, you've been with me for how many years in this, <laughs> in this thing? You've heard me talk about this research and the women. She said, well, you never asked. So I said, please tell me this story. Please tell me. So we stayed up all night and the story of my great grandmother, Gate A, she was married at a very young age to a man who was older than her. She was too young at that point to be a wife. She could not live with this adult man. So she lived still with her father and her three brothers. Her mother had passed away. When the mobilization call came across the country, the eldest of every family, bring your gun if you have it, bring your sword, bring your spear. We need to, the war is coming, go to the front lines. Um, my great grandmother, wanted to go and her father said you're way too young you're much too young I'm going to give my gun to your husband and he will represent our family and go and she said no he won't I'm the eldest um, she didn't like her husband eventually she would leave him um, at some point but she didn't like him and she said he will not have that gun that's mine and I will go. When her father refused, she went in front of the judges, the village judges, and pled her case. And she won. Well, listen, I think it's the most absorbing story. The way she did that research, I think, is quite extraordinary. And uh, as I said to you earlier on, I'm beginning to get a feeling that uh, The Shadow King is the book that we should be paying lots and lots of attention to. Mind you, all of the other books, or the other five books, they all stand an equal chance. But this one seems to me to be edging forward. And, uh, and thank you very much indeed to the New York Society Library. And um, we just um, picked up that interview and I thought it was a fabulous fabulous conversation with herself talking about well, talking about the research towards the book Saturdays with Jenny, with Jenny every Saturday from, from 9 to 11am on Kaya FM 95.9 Rewinding Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind Visit kayafm.co.za for more